Um, so I want to have a little family moment with you uh, today. And uh, some of you, uh, probably most of you got uh, an email this week that uh, was uh, uh, sharing a little bit about my health situation. And uh, some of you may not have gotten that. And some of you may be here for the first time, someone invited you and you have no idea what's going on. And I'm so sorry for that and so sorry to kind of have to dump this on you. But um, some big things have been happening over the last few weeks in terms of my health. And uh, I just wanted to kind of share a little bit about that. Uh, I got a diagnosis recently uh, of uh, lung cancer that has advanced beyond uh, the lung itself. And uh, it's, it's been a breathtaking journey. I just have to tell you that uh, I first found out that something was going on that maybe was pointing to this on the 27th of December. So just after we had our, our uh, Christmas Eve services. And then uh, on January 10th, I got the official diagnosis of that. Uh, January 11th uh, started first uh, um, treatment process, uh, and, uh, and then just this Friday started the second treatment process for that. So it has been breathtakingly fast, everything that has happened, both in terms of finding all this out, which uh, I had no idea of what was going on, uh, but also in terms of uh, the response to it as well in the, re in the treatment and uh, people have been asking me, like, how are you doing? And so that's a, that's a very complex answer <laughs> of, like, how you're doing as you're kind of dealing with all of this. But I would say the two words that um, describe it the best are uh, hopeful and uh, grateful. Um, I have an, an amazing medical team already in just this short period of time that has surrounded me and uh, some really amazing manifestations of God's grace that has brought that team uh, together. Uh, there are, uh, I won't go into all of the details, but there are so many advances that have been made over the last several years um, about this particular kind of cancer that I'm dealing with, and I'm so grateful for all of the gifts and talents of people that have poured their lives into doing that. I've started a treatment process that is uh, very targeted, uh, very effective, and uh, has uh, low uh, side effects. So I'm very, very thankful for that as well. And, uh, and I'm just thankful for being surrounded by such an amazing, amazing uh, community. Uh, my family, um, wonderful friends, um, this congregation that I've poured 35 years of my life into, uh, you have been amazing in uh, your response. And I know that many of you have been as stunned as I have been to be processing through this and you're you're processing through it at, uh, in the same way that I'm really processing through it. And I um, am hopeful and grateful because I believe that we do serve a God that continues to move mountains, continues to do the miraculous, 
continues to work and manifest his grace in so many ways, including in our bodies. And in a God who um, redeems all things. And if any of you have been a part of this journey um, in this church for any length of time, you know that that is something that at the depth of my heart, I believe that God wastes nothing, that God uses everything that we give him, and that God is the God who is able to redeem absolutely everything. And uh, I'm convinced that God will redeem this in ways that are beyond my imagination and ability uh, to see and uh, am trusting and trusting in that. Uh, as it relates to kind of our congregation and impact and all of that, I wanna say just a word about that. Um, I think that impact will be minimal for us as, as a church. Um, I mentioned last week that I, I really have a sense that God's anointing is on this place and that there are some things that God wants to do in 2022 um, that are beyond what we could have imagined and, and will look probably very, very different um, than the way that we thought perhaps that, they, that it would look. But uh, God is at work. We have an amazing staff. If you know me at all, you know that one of my greatest joys in ministry is... Uh, pouring into and empowering and releasing staff to, to do what God has created them to do. And we just have an absolutely amazing staff that is uh, going to be leading well uh, during this time. Uh, I'm gonna take a little break uh, from preaching uh, for a few weeks through the end of February just to kind of give uh, my voice a chance to kind of... Uh, 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 strengthened and and uh, just for some, you know, spiritual and emotional kind of time, which means that as a congregation, you're going to have an opportunity to hear from some amazing communicators over the next several weeks, folks that are a part of our teaching team, and uh, and some outside guests uh, that are going to be coming in and uh, preaching as well, and so it's going to be uh, a good time as it relates to just our congregation and worshiping together, I think a very, very special uh, time. And I wanna say a word too about our advisory council. Um, we have an advisory council, they're my bosses, and um, they often are not particularly visible when kind of things are going in a normative fashion, but are gonna be a little bit more visible during this time. and. Uh, our advisory council is made up of uh, members of our congregation, but also um, pastors who are national leaders in our denomination. A lot of folks are not aware of that. So we have just um, an incredible group that has been so helpful in processing with me, navigating all of this with me, um, and helping me to kind of think through uh, kind of the process during this time. And uh, two of them are here today uh, that uh, I'm gonna invite to, 
to come up and to share a little bit. And so uh, Matt Anderson and John Formello, would you come up? Would you welcome Matt and uh, John? I think somebody has some stools there for you. So just a little bit of introduction, Matt um, is the pastor of McDowell Church out in Scottsdale, Arizona, and he's one of our outside um, uh, advisory council members. Matt's going to be preaching today as well, so I'm so thankful to have Matt here. And John Formello is uh, part of this congregation, has been a part of uh, the advisory council for a number of years. And so, guys, thank you. I'm, I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you to maybe share a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Rod. Um, I think uh, the first thing I would like to tell you and speaking for the advisory council and the staff and, you know, the people in the blue seats is that uh, we love you. We love you dearly. And we are with you in the midst of this. We are going to be walking with you. And, um, you know, you never want something like this. To, to, to come about, but it has been uh, pretty interesting over the past couple years with the Advisory Council how we have uh, made it a point to focus on some of these what-if scenarios, and you can see the Lord's, the Lord's hand in that. Yeah. And, um, you know, as your boss, as you like to tell us, we are, <laughs> I'm letting you know that your job is, is to get better yeah. and yeah. to to do what you need to do to get better. Yeah, and, um, and you know, I was thinking very similar thoughts to you. You know, I, I love how you um, are just so gifted in putting people in places where they can shine, where they can advance God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. And um, again, we'd never choose this, but there are some people that are gonna shine and who are going to, do wonderful things and take advantage of this. And so I, I know it will give you a lot of joy to see that. And, and that, yeah. that helps me in that too. And I would just encourage the people in the blue seats too. I know sometimes you think, well, what can I do? Well, I, I'll tell you, <laughs> you can, you can lean into what God has called you to do yeah. and, and do that here and advance the kingdom. We're still on mission. We are you know, 2022 is going to have some really amazing yeah. things happen in this church. So, yeah. 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 yeah the, you know, a couple of weeks ago when the advisory team heard the news that, that you heard this week, um, we, like you, were shocked. And it took us a little time yeah. to process and to think through what we were hearing. Um, and we all know Rod. And Rod gets things done. Mm-hmm. And he's... Um, an unbelievable leader who always has vision in front of him. It's one of his incredible gifts. And as we began to process, you know, it was for us, because we love Rod so much, it was easy to say, Rod, your job is is to take the space you need and the time you need so that God can work on your body. And I think that's what you would say as a congregation, amen? Right, that's what you would say. And... um, as John said, Rod has positioned the team to lead uh, in, in the places where they're gifted to, to keep the kingdom moving forward. And that's what God will do. And as Rod said, God will redeem all things Amen. for his glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, 
we want to we want to pray for you, Rod, yeah. and uh, I want to ask the congregation uh, if you would would join us in that prayer, and uh, maybe it would be appropriate if we stand together. Would would that be okay? And I'll voice the prayer, and some of you might just want to reach out your hand. You don't have to do that, but maybe just to join in with this prayer, we're going to ask God's Spirit to do what God's Spirit can do, and uh, we're going to trust Him in all things. So would you join me as we pray? So Father God, um, we. We love you. You are a good, good father. And um, in these moments where uh, at times we can't see the future, we trust that you can. You know all things. And uh, this morning, as a congregation, we lift to you your son, Rod. Mm. We love him. We know how much you love him. He's led us so well. And God, we pray that your spirit would breathe life into him in these days. We trust you. Uh, we, we pray for wholeness in his body. We pray that you would work not only in his body, but we pray that you would work in miraculous ways with the team that has surrounded him, the medical professionals. God, we pray that you would uh, give him the strength that he needs as he walks through this. We pray for his family, for Donna, that you would encourage her you would strengthen her, you would surround her. His kids, we pray that you would be with them and the grandkids. And God, we trust you in all things. We trust your kingdom will continue to move forward. Amen. And uh, we believe, we believe that you redeem all things for your glory. Yes. You are the giver of all good gifts. Yes. So Father God, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of Rod and we lift him to you. We pray for him and entrust him into your care. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. 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 Yeah. Hey Fairfax, we've got a couple of announcements for you this morning. First, I wanna tell you about a new course that we're gonna have. It's called the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Course. It's coming up on February 24th. You can register for it online and here's what it's about. It's all about slowing down and helping yourself to love God and to love others. I hope that you'll sign up for that. Here at Fairfax, we have an amazing group of volunteers that help run our church smoothly. I just wanted to highlight two specific needs we have right now. The first is our worship team is looking for male worship leaders to join them. And the second is our hospitality team is looking for volunteers to help others get connected. If you are interested in either of these two roles, then head to our website. In this new year, our children's ministry, Fairfax Kids, is placing a special emphasis on serving. And our first project of the year is called Baby Bottle Boomerang. Say it with me three times, ready? Baby Bottle Boomerang, Baby Bottle Boomerang, Baby Bottle Boomerang. That's what it's called, here's how it works. We're giving kids baby bottles, they take them home, they fill them with change, and bring them back February 27th. All the proceeds will go to help one of our local partners assist pregnancy. You can pick up the bottles in our children's lobby today. We have something really special we wanna share with you. It's a video by Virginia's Kids Belong. This is just one of the many ways that God is using this building beyond Sunday mornings. We're super excited to show it to you, so check it out. I feel happy when going somewhere like the beach, the lake, a hotel, or um, like 
going to see animals. Some things I like to do is ride a bike, play basketball, and jog, and um, run, I guess, and go swimming. I like to go fishing sometimes in the spring and like make stuff out of sticks and leaves. I want to be a foster mom or a doctor. My favorite food is tacos. Cheese, tomatoes, lettuce, meat, chicken. Um, I like put hot sauce, sour cream, bacon. To be nice, I guess. It's just like being nice to others and give them respect. Because people say that that you well how you wanted to be respect you should be respect in the way that you are and if they, they give you respect you you can give them respect too. My name is Harmony. I'm 11 years old. One of the things I love so much about Fairfax is uh, you don't waste anything. And that video is a picture of, you know, as this place has been expanded over the last few years, that uh, video is a picture of how this, this, this building is now being leveraged for kingdom good. And uh, it might sound like a simple thing, but recording a video uh, gives these foster children an opportunity to find a forever home. And so Fairfax, it's just one of the things I love about this place. Um, I know that you are looking at me and, and you don't know me. Um, I'm like one of those crazy uncles that shows up at the family reunion and you're wondering why is he here and we're not so sure we want him here, um, but we're family. It's, this is who we are, we're together. I, I've been a part of Fairfax for a number of years. My stepsister actually attended this church a number of years ago. She was a teacher in Manassas and so was able to be a part of the congregation. Uh, I met Rod in a number of different kinds of uh, uh, opportunities and, and pastoral gatherings, and like you, quickly uh, came to respect Rod. Rod is one of the most brilliant people I know, and I know you know that. He's amazing. Uh, his mind is always working. He's so strategic, and uh, it's, it's one of the things as we've walked into this season, um, I, I just have this, this great respect and love for your pastor. And I'm so thankful for him. And so I join you as a congregation in just lifting him up to the Father and, and trusting him you know, to the Father and, um, and this season that uh, we're a part of. So what do you do? What do you do when you find yourself in a place that you never expected to be? What do, you, what do you do when you find yourself um, in a moment of uh, relational chaos or relational brokenness sitting across from someone that you thought you, you would spend your whole life with? 
What do you do when you're sitting in an office that you thought you would give your life to this vocation uh, only to find that you no longer have a place there? What do you do when you find yourself in a place that you never thought you'd be? In the New Testament, one of the very first Christians, his name was Paul, and he wrote letters to young Christians and gatherings of, of, of Christians, helping uh, us to understand and helping them to understand how do you live life and the reality of life with faith in God and in Christ? How do you do that? And listen to what Paul wrote to this church in Philippi. He, he wrote this, he said, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And I read that and I think, well, yeah. In the first century, you had nothing to worry about. I mean, maybe 2,000 years ago, that made sense. And, and maybe a couple thousand years ago, the idea of not worrying about anything, what did you have to worry about back then? Yeah, but in the modern world, and this is how sometimes uh, we get a little cynical about scripture, if we're honest. Is it okay if we're honest today? We get a little cynical and we're like, but in the modern world, I mean, if Paul were in the modern world that we're, we're in, he would realize that anxiety rules the day. Worry is all around us. And so uh, we start with this framework of don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And I want us to push pause on uh, our, our judgment of this. And we're gonna go on a little path, if you'll go with me. And we'll come back and end with this, if that's okay. And kind of reframe the way we understand maybe what Paul is talking about. Now, uh, last week, if you were here, Josh spoke about building community, the practice of building community and how important that is. And it's one of those practices that has been foundational and formational for the church for 2,000 years. And the same is true about the practice of prayer. And so I wanna talk a little bit about the practice of prayer. Now, we are no strangers to prayer. Did you know that? In our country, almost everyone claims to pray. Every major world religion has some sort of a practice of prayer or meditation or in some ways emptying uh, uh, someone's mind in order to focus on something out there. And so prayer is all around us. And so many times we are shaped, our understanding of prayer is shaped by what we see in culture. Um, movies, for example. There are little clips of movies that oftentimes uh, begin to form what we believe prayer is. Let me give you three quick examples, and maybe you remember these. Um, we uh, watched this movie uh, called Talladega Nights. Have you ever seen Talladega Nights? And um, there's a scene where at the table, there is a discussion on who you should pray to. And the answer is, is Jesus for them, but not sure which version of Jesus it's best to pray to. Some of you have seen it, I see you laughing. <laughs> this frames our understanding of prayer and our practice. Uh, not just that movie, but Meet the Parents. If you remember Meet the Parents, and um, they're sitting at the table, and he's, 
you know, meeting the parents for the first time as future in-laws, and they ask him to pray, and they're like, well, he's Jewish, and he's like, I'm Jewish, but I pray. And so he closes his hands, because he's not sure what to do, and he begins to mumble. Do you remember that long, drawn-out prayer, day by day by day by day, because he wasn't sure what to say, but he wanted to impress his parents. Um, I shouldn't tell you this, but I went to Anderson University where Rod went, and when I was a freshman, oh, wow, we got a shout out. Soar, raven, soar. Um, anyway, um, my mind sometimes goes in other, other places. But when I was a freshman, I, I, I got to the, the dining room, the dining hall, and we'd get our food, and I would look around, and I would notice everybody before they ate their food would just bow their head. And for months, I bowed my head before I ate my food, but I didn't really pray. I just wondered is this long enough for them to think that I'm doing something that I'm supposed to be doing because I'm shaped by this. This is just what you do before you eat is you bow your head and you act like you're, you're praying. Another movie, um, there's a, a Christmas Vacation, one of my favorites, come on, anybody? Christmas Vacation and there's prayer, yeah? Prayer at the Christmas dinner and it's like it's the one prayer they do all year and so They've worked up to this moment and they ask their aunt, I think, to pray and she eventually stands up and puts her hand over her heart and says, I pledge allegiance to the flag, amen. And they sit down and begin the meal. We're often shaped and formed by the culture we're a part of. And our understanding of prayer is often shaped and formed by what we see all around us. When Paul gives us and Jesus gives us a framework to understand prayer. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of you um, might think that I'm just bashing culture. I'm not doing that because every now and then there's a nugget in culture. Check this one out. Um, If you remember this moment. Oh, there he is. Morgan Freeman. This quote. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If someone prays for courage, does God give him courage? Or does he give him the opportunity to be courageous? And if someone prays for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them more opportunities to love one another? Every now and then, there are these nuggets in culture and in movies from Morgan Freeman with this powerful understanding of prayer. Let's, um, let's, let's take a step back and look at Jesus. Can we do that as followers of Jesus to like center in on what did Jesus do in his prayer life? And we find in Luke, Luke was one of the the writers of the Jesus stories that we have contained in our Bible. And Luke did a lot of uh, research and talking with people who spent a lot of time with Jesus. And Luke records it this way. Jesus often withdrew to isolated places to pray. Often, Jesus often did this. It was part of his regular rhythm to slip away to a quiet place to connect with his heavenly father. And here's where I'm convicted. And maybe you wanna join me in this conviction. I'm convicted because I begin to think when I read a passage like this, um, 
if Jesus needed to slip away to quiet places to pray, how much more do I need to slip away to quiet places to pray? Does that, does that make sense? Are you with me? If Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, needed to, to put time in his daily activity in order to open a conduit between him and the Heavenly Father, how much more do we, broken people, how much more do we need to incorporate into regular rhythms of our lives, time to slip away and reconnect, open a conduit between us and God. We, we come to find that prayer isn't simply a, a wish list that we begin to write down or send up hoping that God is listening. We, we find that prayer is not like a last option, but rather becomes a framework by which we can enter into communion or fellowship with God, the Father. And if you're like me, you might find yourself saying, that sounds awesome. Do you know how busy I am? Anyone busy? Do you know how noisy it is in our world? I mean, there is so much going on and there is so much to distract us that the idea of slipping away on a regular basis to find time to connect with the Father just doesn't fit in my schedule. Now, I'm not talking about your schedule, I'm talking about my schedule. It's just difficult to find time to do that. Um, I'll steal from uh, a fellow pastor and writer. If you haven't read The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, you should buy it and spend some time reading it. Uh, it's such a great framework and within the framework that he builds, uh, he quotes Dallas Willard as saying this and I think this is worth, if you miss, if you miss everything else today, uh, that I say, don't miss this. Um, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our world today. Hurry. And noise. And crowds. It's the great enemy of our spiritual life. Our soul suffers when we're not able to connect on a regular basis with our Heavenly Father. So, so what do you do when you find yourself, back to the original question, what do you do when you find yourself in a place you never thought you would be? And I think the framework we find in the life of Jesus is to, to stop, to quiet the noise and distraction in order to recognize the presence the ongoing presence, the continual presence, the faithful presence of a loving heavenly father who will never leave us or forsake us. In the Old Testament, one of the writers of uh, more prayers than anyone else in scripture was, was David. And you've probably heard this quoted a number of times, but Psalm 46, there's a line that simply says this, be still and know that I am God. 
What do you do when you find yourself in a place you never thought you would be? You be still. And you recognize that the God of creation, the God of the universe, the God who breathed life into every human being is the God who wants to be with you. I mean, it blows my mind. Did you see the sunrise this morning, by the way? It was gorgeous. The God who paints the skies sees you. Whatever it is that you're walking through, he, he doesn't just see you, he walks with you in that moment. Is that unbelievable to you? It is to me. That the God who, who thought up the stars and the universe and galaxies is the God who knows your name. So the practice of prayer starts with stillness. And rather than just talk on and on about it, I, I thought maybe it'd be good for us just to be still for a minute and know that he is God. When the waves rise against me and the wind tries to draw me away, I will stand on the mountain, safe in your arms, I will see, I will see, be still my soul.
just to quiet and still our minds and our hearts. And God, we pray that as we, as we still the noise, we pray that you would just reveal yourself to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my favorite uh, scholars, current day scholars, is N.T. Wright. He says this about Jesus. Unlike other rabbis who used prayer to control God or display their, their piety, Jesus prayed to relate to his father. And when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, the two things that he warned them against was don't just babble on and 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 on. Don't just babble on and on. That's not what prayer is. And don't pray for show on the street corners or bow your head at Anderson University just so people think that you're praying, so you look a certain way. Jesus prayed for the relationship to relate to his father. Hey, I have a, I have a, a son in college, and um, I can't tell you how much it means to me when he picks up his phone and sends me a text. Any of you have kids who are gone from home? And those of you who are in college, like you can do it right now, send your parents a text. It will be awesome. They will send you money or something. I do with my kids. I love receiving that text or that phone call Regardless of what it's about, let me tell you, like that, that's what your heavenly father does anytime you turn your heart and your mind to him and you still the noise, you quiet what's going on around you in order to relate to him. Unlike the other rabbis, the other religions, the things that were going on, Jesus saw prayer as a way to relate to the heavenly father. We were created for relationship. Josh, Josh said that last week. We were created for relationship. I was gonna ask, how many introverts do we have in the room? But then I thought, well, you won't raise your hands because you're introverts. <laughs> I, I'm like, I lean introverted. And so, which you would think that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You're standing up in front of all these people talking, but I do, I lean introverted. Even those who are far on the introverted scale, we know down deep inside that we were created for a relationship. We cannot live in isolation from other people. Listen, listen, but not just other people. You were created for a relationship with the creator of the world. Unbelievable. He wants, he wants to be with you. 
Now, this isn't about shame or guilt. That's not what this is about. This is about the honest connection with our Heavenly Father that we all need. A um, couple scholars and authors that I follow, uh, Phil Yancey and Richard Foster, um, I, I don't know which one to quote. Th this is what they said. Um, one of them said, um, oh no, not that yet. Yes, we learn to pray by praying, and Richard Foster said, by praying, we learn to pray. I don't know which one is right, but I think one of them has the point, and you know, I'm not sure about copyright, all that kind of stuff. I just didn't want to steal something. So we learn to pray by praying. By praying, we learn to pray. When Jesus' disciples came to him and said, teach us to pray, Jesus didn't go into this big theology of prayer. He gave them a couple warnings, and then he gave them a prayer. So what if we pray today? The prayer that Jesus gave, the Lord's Prayer, together as a congregation. Would you, would you do that with me? Can we, in, a, in this moment, can we still our minds and pray the prayer that Jesus gave. So I, yes, um, some of you learned it in a certain way, so you gotta pay attention because some of the words are different. So we, we're focusing, we're stilling. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'll save this for another sermon, another day, maybe. But it's interesting to me, when Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, he said, Love God and love others. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he taught them to pray. Notice the first half of that prayer. Can we go back to the first half of that prayer? Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. In this prayer, Jesus is leaning into loving the Father. Look at the second half of the prayer. Give isn't it interesting that he didn't say, give me the food that I need? Why didn't he teach his disciples to say, give me the food that I need? Because for Jesus, reorienting ourselves, prayer aligns us with the work of the kingdom. And there are times that we need food, but there are times that we begin to look around and say, oh, wait a minute. I may have everything that I need, but God answers prayers also in the ways that I share what I have with those who need it. Does that, make, does that make sense? Love God, love others. It's this alignment that Jesus is bringing together. He talks about our needs. He talks about reconciliation. Forgive me as I forgive. No, not forgive me. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let me yield to, no, no, don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Like that's mind blowing to me how Jesus always aligns these things. So what is prayer? Prayer is stilling the busyness, the noise, the distraction in order to open a conduit between us and the heavenly father, stepping into alignment with the kingdom, loving God, and beginning to look around us so that we might love 
those around us better. It's a beautiful picture of the practice of prayer according to Jesus. Pete Gregg wrote an awesome book called How to Pray. Super catchy title, How to Pray. And he says this, uh, Pete spent years studying and researching prayer and then just digging into prayer. And he says this, after decades of night and day prayer, I have come to believe that 99% of it is just showing up. Making the effort to become consciously present to the God who is constantly present to us. Don't you love that? What would it look like, church, if in the rhythm of Jesus, every morning and every evening, and maybe in the midday, we stopped what we're doing, the noise, the chaos, in order to become consciously present to the God who is constantly present with us? I think we'd be remade. I think God would do a work in us that we can't do in ourselves. So back to that first passage of scripture from Philippians. The line before, don't worry about anything, is this line, which we often miss. Because in scripture, they put all these little numbers and stuff in there, and sometimes we get thrown by the numbers Paul's able to say this right after he reminds us that God is near. It's becoming aware of the presence of God. Fairfax, God is here. He's with you. He loves you. He will never leave you or forsake you. What a reminder we all need. So may we become aware every single day regular rhythms to simply pray. God, I thank you for the truth of scripture, which guides us and directs us, which helps us understand how this life of faith and the reality of the world in which we're walking through, how these things come together. Father, I, help, I, I pray that you would help us to, as Jesus did, step into regular rhythms where we could simply become aware of your presence, where we could love you in relationship, just as Jesus did, where we could align ourselves with your kingdom, your work here on earth, where we could begin to love those around us as we begin to see those around us. God, thank you for your love. It's our heavenly Father. May your kingdom come God, may your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. And give us today the, the, the things that we need, the food, the health, the hope, the connection. Forgive us when we make a mess of life just as we forgive those who are around us, who hurt us, and Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen and amen. Would you stand as we respond in worship?